The following sermon was recorded live at Foundation Church of Fredericksburg in downtown Fredericksburg, Virginia. It is a pleasure Virginia. to be here with you guys this morning. Um, go ahead and open up your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to be in chapter 4 and the, uh, three verses of chapter 5. <clears throat> Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you heard was coming, and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth, and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us, not, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us the Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him, and He in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in Him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God 
when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to study your word with your people. I pray, God, that by your grace, you would help us to not only hear what you have to say to us this morning, but by your grace, obey what you are calling us to do. I pray, God, that you give us ears to listen, eyes to see, and a heart to believe. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, we're going to be talking about love. The word love is used by many people in very different ways. The word can mean one thing in one context and then something completely different in another. When we look at the word love, we can see the many different ways it's been used in the past. The word has been used politically to advance certain political agendas. The word has been used in the arts, either through songs, poems, movies, or paintings. The word has been used by parents, children, singles, couples, rich or poor. The word love is used by people all around us, and it makes sense because we're created in the image of God, and He has made us and wired us for a desire to be loved and to love other people. But when we ask the question, what is love, we have to find out what it really is. It, it is a feeling we are familiar with, but feelings could be confusing. You could be feeling lust, infatuation, admiration, all feelings that could be misinterpreted as love. In order for us to know what love is, we need to go to its source. In our text this morning, John would make the case that you can know that someone is a Christian because they are filled with the Spirit of God. The evidence of being indwelled by the Holy Spirit is that they love other Christians. But the love that Christians are to show one another is a divine love. It is a love that reflects the love God has demonstrated to us in the giving of His Son. Since God is love and we have entered into fellowship with Him through the sacrificial life and death of His Son, we are to be a community that exhibits that kind of sacrificial love to one another. It is not only something that we feel or only desire, but something that we exhibit and extend to one another in a way that is clearly manifested as a love that has been shown to us. One of the signs that a person has been filled with the Spirit of God is how they love others. And by this we can know whether they are filled with the same Spirit of God. The Apostle John is clear that not everyone who claims to possess the Spirit of God is a member of the community of Christ. As a matter of fact, he calls us to test that profession of faith that one makes. In other words, to test the Spirit that is in someone who claims the name of Christ. If the church will be a community that expresses the divine sacrificial love of God in the world, then the church should discern whether or not its members' profession of faith is genuine or whether or not its members truly possess the Spirit of God. In order for us to be a community of love that reflects the love of God, John wants us to discern who is truly in that community. This is not to say that Christians are not to love people who are outside of the Christian community. After all, we are commanded to have love for our neighbors and even for our enemies. But the love we are commanded to have for one another is prioritized in the way we demonstrate the love of God and, how, and the love of God that He has for us. The way we honor a teacher will not look the same way like we honor our parents. 
The way we provide for someone's need will not look the same way the way we provide for our own family's needs. For scripture tells us failure to provide for our own family makes us worse than an unbeliever. The love you have for a brother will look different than the love you have for your wife, whom you've called to lay your life down. We make prioritizations on who we love and how we love and to the extent we're willing to go and demonstrate our love all the time. Christians, in the way they treat their families, we make priorities for that because we have obligations in Scripture to prioritize that expression of love to them more than to anyone else, though we're called to love everybody. Well, the family here on earth is actually meant to point to that celestial family that we'll have in heaven. If we follow the, if we do a biblical theology of the family throughout Old Testament going into the New, the family of God is point, the family here on earth is meant to point to the family of God in heaven. We see this even when Jesus is teaching. As he's teaching, his disciples come in and interrupt them, and someone says, Jesus, your mom and your brothers are here to see you. And while he's ministering to the crowds and he points at his disciples, he says, Here are my brothers and sisters. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister. We are commanded to love one another in such a way that it displays the spiritual reality that we are brothers and sisters. In our text this morning, John will equip us to know who we are commanded to love and how we ought to love one another. First one, first point this morning is who are we commanded to love? And we'll see that in verses 1 through 12. Christians are commanded to love other Christians. Christians are called to be a community of love. In order for us to obey the command in verse 7, to love one another, we first must find out who the one another are. If the love we now share is a love we share in Christ, and we are to be a community of love in Christ, we must know who is in Christ. One of the main reasons that John writes his letters to give his readers confidence and assurance of where they stand in Jesus. You see, the false teachers did not only bring confusion upon their confidence of the gospel or in the gospel, but they also brought confusion on what made up a gospel community. Here we have two different groups of people claiming to possess the Spirit of God. We have John and the apostolic witness of Christ, and we have the false teachers. Both are claiming the name of Christ, and both are claiming to possess the Spirit of God. And here John will give us three ways that we can know who belongs in the community of one another. If we are called to love one another, we must first distinguish who is the one another in order to faithfully obey the command. Here John gives us three things that we can discern for who belongs to God and who doesn't. Number one, they confess that Christ came in the flesh. Number two, they listen to the spirit of truth and not of error. And number three, they practice Christian love or Christ-like love. Before John even gets to the command to love one another, he wants us to determine who the one another are. How can we discern that someone who professes the name of Christ truly has the Spirit of God? Number one, they confess that Christ came in the flesh. Number two, they listen to the Spirit of truth and not of error. They practice Christ-like love. Number three. First, we'll look at they confess 
that Christ has come in the flesh. Verses 1 through 4. They confess that Christ has come in the flesh. The teachings of the successions, which was a semi-Gnostic cult or sect that infiltrated the Christian church, believed, had a philosophical worldview that said that all that is material is evil and only what is spirit is good. Therefore, Christ could not have come in the flesh, but only had the appearance of becoming human. They let their human ideologies and presuppositions determine what was true about Jesus, instead of letting the truth of Jesus determine their ideologies and presuppositions. And because of this, they worshiped a false Christ. A false Christ that ultimately could not atone for sins. See, if Christ is only spirit, and merely appeared to have a physical nature without actually possessing one, he could not be our representative for humanity. He could not take our place on the cross, which would mean the wrath of God would still be upon us. See, a, a mere spirit of Christ cannot save. A mere spirit Christ cannot save. He may be an excellent teacher, he may be a good model to imitate, but he cannot suffer the wrath of God on behalf of mankind. This is why what we say about Christ matters. This is why we cannot call Mormons our brothers, because they confess, because what they confess about Jesus is not in line with apostolic teaching. This is what was given to the apostles and preserved for us by the Holy Spirit. This is why though Muslims who claim to Uh, Jesus as a prophet, we cannot say we worship the same God as they do because they deny the divinity of Christ and therefore they do not worship the same God because of what they confess about Jesus and God is wrong. What we say about Christ matters. John will not let the doctrine of Christ to be a doctrinal matter that we can just disagree on and let bygones be bygones and continue to have fellowship. He says every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. So when we are trying to discern if someone is a brother or a sister in Christ, it's important it's not only important for them to claim that they are a Christian or that they believe in Jesus, but to, it's important for us to examine the content of that belief of Jesus. What do they believe about Jesus? This is what we do in our church membership interviews. For those of you who have gone through it, when we vote for someone to become a member, we are affirming that not only this person is making a profession of faith in Jesus, but that The Jesus they say they know is the true Christ, is the true Jesus. It is, and for that reason, it's also important for us here, members of Foundation, for us to take inventory of what we claim to believe about Christ. We cannot let the culture define who Jesus is for us. Our Christology must be informed by the Word of God. So those who claim to possess the Spirit of God will confess the truth of Christ. What we say about Christ matters. The second thing, the second way you can determine whether someone truly has the Spirit of God is they listen to the Spirit of truth and not of error. What we hear about Christ matters. Secondly, they will listen to the Spirit of truth and not of error. 
when we hear about Christ matters, those who possess the Spirit of God will listen to the Spirit of God. This does not mean a listening uh, just by hearing with your ears, but it is a life of submission and obedience to the Spirit of God. Those who possess the Spirit of God will hear and obey Him. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth. One of the roles of the Spirit in this dispensation of the church is that He will point to Jesus. He will say, that is from Christ, follow and obey that. That is not from Christ, do not follow, do not obey that. We hear Him when the truth is proclaimed in our pulpits and our worship songs. We hear Him, the Spirit of truth, when we read our Bibles. We can discern the Spirit of God because what is being said is in line with what the Bible says about Christ, what the Bible says about God. This is why it is important that we as a church foundation are a people that read their Bible, that we are a people of the Word, so that we can be equipped with discerning what is truly from God and of truth and what is truly from error. We must know what the Bible says of Christ. What we hear about Christ matters. Those who are indwelled by the Spirit of God listen and obey to the Spirit of God. Those who are of the world listen to the Spirit of the world. And the Spirit of this world is in rebellion against God. Third way that we can know is that they practice Christ-like love. How we love for Christ matters. John will say that anyone who loves a brother and sister has been born of God. This love spoken about here is not only referring to emotions and warm feelings, though we should most certainly have love for one another in that sense. But the love spoken here is a love that has been made known to us by God. We cannot fully understand the kind of love we are to have for one another until we understand what is the kind of love that has been made manifested to us. It is a love characterized to us by sacrifice. It is a sacrificial love that is demonstrated to a people who do not deserve it. Let's look at verse 10. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He has loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. When we think about the fact that you and I have sinned greatly against the holy and triune God, that we did not initially make our first move to love Him, but instead He loved us, that we did not love Him, and every attempt that we made to worship was always to worship the created rather than the Creator. And God sees our sin and our fallenness, and instead of giving us what we deserve, he sends His Son, Jesus Christ, to live the life that we could not live and to die the death that we deserve. Christ leaves the eternal glory of God and the fellowship with the Trinity, the majesty and glory that He deserves. He puts it aside and comes down and becomes human, just like us. Not only does He become human, being capable of being born in a castle or to a king, but He becomes lowly. He's born in a manger. He is considered among the lowly. He identifies with them. 
He lives a perfect life on our behalf and dies the death that we deserve. He takes the wrath of God for us so that we can be reconciled to God. He loves us when we did not deserve it. If you and I love God and love one another, it is because he first loved us. Christian love is a sacrificial love for people that do not deserve it. When we consider what it means to love one another, we ought not to first see whether they merit that love. That is not Christian love. We love one another even when we don't deserve it. The final criteria that John gives of someone who possesses the Spirit of God is someone that loves other Christians with Christ-like love, sacrificial love. How we love for Christ matters. We see in 1 John 4, 8, that if we do not love like this, then we cannot say that we are of God. And that would mean that the Spirit of God does not dwell in us. So we have listed three criteria or marks that the Spirit of God, on how we can know that the Spirit of God dwells in a person. We need this in order to be faithful to the command to love one another. We need this to know who the one another are. Those who possess the Spirit of God will, number one, confess that Christ has come in the flesh. What we say about Christ matters. Number two, they will listen to the Spirit of truth and not of error. What we hear of Christ matters. And finally, they practice Christ-like love, how we love for Christ matters. Which leads us to our second point. Now that we've established who the one another are, now that we can discern who has the Spirit of God and who doesn't, John then leads us and commands us to, com to love one another with a Christ-like love. And to do that, it is not easy. And the stakes are very high. So how do we love other Christians in this way? We love other Christians in a way that demonstrates God's divine love, demonstrated to us in the gospel. In order to do this, John gives us three things. We need to love abidingly. Number one, we love abidingly. Number two, we love fearlessly. We love fearlessly. And number three, we love visibly. In other words, in order to love other Christians in a way that demonstrates the sacrificial love of Christ and the indwelling of the Spirit of God, we need to be plugged into the source. We must love abidingly. Secondly, when we love abidingly and are plugged into that source, we can love fearlessly. And finally, when we are freed from fear, we can love visibly. Again, we love abidingly. We love fearlessly. And finally, we can love visibly. <clears throat> Verses 13 through 16. We love abidingly. <clears throat> By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us the Spirit, and we have seen and testified the, that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. First, we love abidingly. We must abide in the Spirit of God so that we can love. 
But how do we abide in the Spirit of God? We abide in love. By abiding in love, we are abiding in the Spirit of God. But what does it mean to abide in love? Well, it means that we surround our hearts and our minds with the message of the gospel. It is the wallpaper of the halls of our hearts and minds. We remember the great love that he has demonstrated to us in the sending of his son. We remember where we were and what we were when he came and saved us. We remember how unworthy we were, but despite that, how much he still was willing to give up his life for us. This is how we're able to abide in love, by abiding in the gospel, by remembering the gospel, by believing the gospel. We surround ourselves with the gospel of God. This is how we plug ourselves to the source. When we abide in him and in his love, we are free to love in a way that demonstrates that love. But in order to love in the way we are commanded, we must abide. If we fail to abide in the spirit, then we will not be able to love in the way he has called us to. We have to be plugged into the power source of that love. This is the same command we are given to by Jesus in John 15. In John 15, he says in verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. We cannot bear the fruit of love without abiding in the tree of love itself, which is Christ. That is, what, that is how the love of God is perfected in us. And the outcome of abiding in perfect love is that we lose fear of judgment, which enables us to love fearlessly. We love fearlessly. Look at verse 17 through 18. It says, By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. When we abide in Christ, we are freed from the fear of judgment. When we know that we've been deeply loved by God and His wrath no longer abides on us, but instead His countenance of His face shines towards us, that He doesn't turn His head at us, away from us, but instead looks at us with love, free of condemnation. We are freed from two things. We are freed from loving with false pretenses. And number two, we are freed from loving others with fear. When we understand the gospel, we are free to love fearlessly because we know that the wrath of God no longer abides on us. And that frees us up from loving with false motivations or false pretenses. And number two, loving others with fear. We are free from loving others with false motives. We are free from loving others and loving God with false or bad motivations. We do not have to love one another as a means to be saved or to earn our way back to God. Verse 17 says, By this we know love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. You want confidence for the day of judgment? You need to know how deeply you are loved in Christ. We do not have to love other people to skip out on going to hell, and therefore we have to then put up with one another. Instead, the opposite is true. Because I've been delivered from the judgment and condemnation of God, 
and now can be confident that God loves me, I am now free to love others. The perfect love of God purifies us from fear. His love makes us more like Him, more sacrificial, more willing to die. Number two, we can love with courage, which frees us to love others with courage. Without fear of punishment, when we know our biggest problem has been resolved through the love of God, and we treasure His love for us in Christ above all things, then there is nothing that we are at risk of losing that can ultimately harm us when we decide to love sacrificially. This is how we can love sacrificially. Christ endured the suffering of the cross with the assured confidence that there was nothing he could lose in this life that would be compared to the glory and joy that awaited him in the fellowship of the Father and in the reconciliation of his people. This is why I'm free to love sacrificially. This is why I can be vulnerable and be at the risk of people rejecting me or hurting me or taking advantage of me. To love like Jesus, love, is a scary thing because it ultimately means death. To love like Christ means you will die, one way or another. Maybe it's your pride, maybe it's your fame, maybe it's being liked by people, but to love like Christ, you will die. But we are assured in Romans 8 that not even death can separate us from the love of Christ. This frees us up to love others with courage, even at the risk of being hurt. And then finally, we love visibly, verses 19, chapter 5, verse 3. Because we abide in love, we are freed to love fearlessly. And when we love with courage, we love visibly. Those who are loved by God will love others in a manner that is visible. Just as the love of God has been made visible, so should our love be made visible to one another. Here John is saying that we have, if we have had to experience the love of God and make a profession of love for God, but do not love our brothers and sisters, then we are liars. He says that because it is hard to say you have known the love of God, without extending that love to his people. The Spirit of God who has made known the love of God by opening our eyes to see the invisible realities of the gospel will call us to lead, will lead us and love us, will call us and lead us to love those who have also come to know the, that love. Here John makes an argument from the lesser to the greater. He says, if I hate my brother whom I can't see, then how can I claim to love God who I can't see? However, the opposite is true as well. The more that we love one another and the way that demonstrates the sacrificial love of God, the more we see God in our lives. This is how we make the gospel visible to the whole world. Jesus said, you shall know that you are my disciples. They will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. Christ has seen in our community, but also in the world when we love one another. When Esau and Jacob separated because of their fight in Genesis, um, Jacob and Esau were the sons of Isaac, and Esau and Jacob cheated Esau out of his inheritance. This caused separation and strife between the two, and it led Jacob having to run away 
and hide out. And in all his hiding out, he gets married, he grows a family, God blesses him with a lot of wealth. And he has to leave his father, his father-in-law, Laban's house. As he's traveling, he gets word that Esau's coming. That Esau is on his way, and he's afraid because he knows the vow that Esau made that when he sees Jacob, he will kill him. And right before he sees Esau, we're familiar with the story of Jacob wrestling with the angel of God. He won't let go until God blesses him and his name changes from Jacob to Israel. And in that transformation, in that change, we see a different Jacob. We see a Jacob more courageous. We see a Jacob ready to make right what he's done wrong. And when he sees his brother Esau, and they finally reconcile, one of the things that Jacob says to Esau, because of the love and the mercy that Esau shows him, and the love that they get to express now in the reconciliation, he says, seeing your face is like seeing the face of God. This is the kind of love that we need to have for one another. It is a kind of love that when we see each other's efforts and actions towards one another, we see the face of God in each other's lives. That is the love that has the power to transform us, to change us. It's this unconditional love, this sacrificial love that we have for one another. However, the opposite is true as well. We must guard and from being a community that is characterized by hate. John here warns us that we must not hate our brothers. We must guard our hearts with the gospel from all forms of hate and hateful desires that can be spurred up in our hearts, such as envy, covetousness, malice, pride and any other form of emotion and action that is not characterized by love. When we fail to love, we must confess to God and to one another. The church of God must be characterized by love since God is a God of love and has made that love known to us in the coming of his Son. So to summarize, we, called, we are called to love one another in a way that demonstrates Jesus' sacrificial love. How do we love? We love abidingly in the spirit of God. We love fearlessly and we love visibly. Who are the one another that we are called to love? Those who belong to the family of God and possess the spirit of God. How can we know who possesses the spirit of God? They confess that Christ has come in the flesh. They speak the truth of Christ. They listen to the spirit of truth and not of error. They submit and obey to the spirit of Christ. And they practice Christ-like love. How they love about Christ matters. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, to love is difficult on this side of heaven. We are plagued by the hatred of Satan, the flesh, the world. And that hatred is directed to your bride, to your church. And if we're not guarding ourselves to listen to the spirit of truth, 
we listen to the spirit of lies, we can easily stop loving one another or not love one another as we should. God, I pray that you help us to be a community characterized by sacrificial love. Lord, I'm grateful for every single person in here. And I'm grateful for the ways that you've demonstrated your love in our community and how your love is shown through all the people in this room. God, help us to grow in that love. Help us to live out that love in a way that is visible to one another and in a way that's visible to the world. Help us to be faithful to do that. Not because we're scared of going to hell or because we're scared of anything else, but because we've been deeply loved by you. Because your son laid his life down for us. We can lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters. <clears throat> so I pray that you do this in us and continue to equip us to do this for each other. In Jesus' name, amen. All sermons are released under a Creative Commons, non-commercial, no derivative 3.0 license. If you would like to learn more or listen to past sermons, please visit us at foundationfxbg.com. i